This episode brought to you by Team Stripes Academy. Learn from some of the top officials in the world. Start today at TeamStripesAcademy.com. You're listening to the Team Stripes Podcast. The podcast for hockey referees. Each show, we discuss the world of officiating and find out that not everything is black and white. Okay, everybody, welcome back to another episode of the Team Stripes podcast. We are uh, coming to you with another terrific episode. And this week we have a very special guest, a good friend of mine. His name is Reggie Amiot, or uh, let's get this French pronunciation correct. Réjean Amiot. Is that right, Reggie? Réjean Amiot. That's close enough. Okay, yeah. I, made, I made my best effort here. So Reggie is what everybody calls him here in Ottawa. And Reggie's one of the most veteran officials in the CCHL, which is the junior league here in Ottawa. And really, Reggie's seen it all. He's been a referee in the WHL, so that's the Western Hockey League, for those of you watching. And he's also refereed over in Japan for a couple of years, which we're going to get his thoughts on that, but it's pretty cool. So uh, he's, like I said, he's been a veteran referee here and probably one of the most beloved referees in the uh, Ottawa area. So we uh, want to welcome you onto the uh, podcast, Reggie. Thank you, Brandon. Was, was that a good enough intro for you? That was pretty good, pretty good. So uh, so did I miss anything? What, where, what else are your career highlights here, Reggie, for the uh, listeners listening at home? Uh, career highlights, there's many at different times of uh, my career. Um, started officiating when I was 12, minor hockey in Rockland, like everybody, uh, for pocket money. Graduated to junior hockey when I was 22 after playing junior hockey as a goalie. Highlights, uh, my first game in junior hockey. I realized that I had so much to learn, uh, even after 12, uh, 10 years as a minor hockey official. Highlights is uh, making uh, the OHL staff in 93 out of Ottawa. I lines for the OHL for two years in 93, 94, 94, 95, then moved on to the Western Hockey League to pursue my opportunity as a referee. I had no... Uh, there was no openings in the Ottawa area as a referee, so I moved to Saskatoon, Saskatchewan uh, to pursue my uh, refereeing dream instead of a linesman. Um, made the staff the first year as a linesman, second year as a referee, so I refereed the Western Hockey League for six years. Uh, 2001, I uh, reached the league final uh, for the Western League. 99, and in 2000, refereed in their Pro Hockey League. Uh, right after the Olympics that they had in Nagano in 98. So I was able to visit uh, the uh, site of the Olympic rink and also the parking lot the year after the Olympics. That was the where the medal ceremony was for the different um, winter sports. That was a, uh, a eye-opener when you're sitting, uh, standing in the parking lot and looking at the panels and say, this is where everybody from across the world was for Metal uh, ceremonies is pretty awesome. Yeah, so obviously you've kind of so seen everything, I, I guess, eh, Reggie? I have seen lots of hockey, uh, from minor hockey to uh, junior B, junior A, uh, university hockey. I did the um, the Huskies um, out west. I did the back here, Ottawa U, Carleton. Um, great hockey university in Canada. I, I still say it's the best amateur hockey uh, as Canadian, we offer. Um, the boys only play 32 games a year, and the effort and energy that the players put in together 
as uh, underrated from the lack of people following the teams, especially in the Ontario area. Western Canada, it's very good. Maritimes down east, it's uh, very good, followed very well. Uh, just as a hockey fanatic passion, I feel that that hockey is uh, better than major junior hockey because it's men following a uh, a dream and also studying at the same time. Yeah, no, and uh, that's kind of the hockey that I grew up with here in New Brunswick was was CIS. I mean, my dad used to coach the University of Moncton here, and like you say, it's, there's a big following here with all the teams, and uh, you know, it is kind of the best kept secret I think in Canada for for terms of hockey, because like you're saying, it is like those major junior players, but they are men. They're they're stronger, they're faster, they're smarter. So it's kind of like if you extended junior hockey a little bit, it's 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 pretty darn pretty darn good. So. No, I, I, I hear you. And uh, so to get this podcast really rolled off here, I, I wanted to touch on one topic here, Reggie. And it's something that you're really well known for, I guess, in Ottawa, which is kind of rule knowledge. Now, I think a lot of people out there listening will say, obviously, if you're going to be a referee, you need to know the rules. And I think, you know, that's kind of goes without saying. But I think a lot of us don't really know the rule book as well as we should. And I'm wondering if you could maybe kind of Talk about your experience with that and maybe about, you know, some of the issues you're seeing nowadays. And even I know when we work together in junior, you're always stressing rule book knowledge. So uh, why is that a big issue to you? And, you know, how, how do you, I guess, uh, improve it? Well, the the stress that I put on my teammates is uh, we're a team on the ice. And basically the decision making that we make, we have a second or two to make your decision. And um, I'm stressed on knowing the rules. You can go with the white on black, black on white, or gray zone if you know the rule. If you don't know the rule, then as an official, you're in trouble because now you're trying to, am I making the right decision? Uh, is this the rule? Am I making the decision that will affect the game the right way and the wrong way. Um, by knowing the rules, at least you have the option of the gray zone of the feel for the game uh, or knowing the rule and it says, well, it's black on white. We have to apply it. Uh, I don't make the rules. That's what's written down from our guidelines from Hockey Canada. And this is what I have to apply. If you don't know the rule, then you're relying on your teammates, and that's a, an option that I, I don't feel comfortable where I should rely on somebody else when I should take the time and know the rules myself. It's something that I can control, is taking the time to know the rules. And so why do you think that there is that rule knowledge? I mean, I mean, you know, wouldn't you think that referees would get in trouble a lot for not knowing that? I mean, especially at the higher levels. I mean, why do you think guys sort of avoid you know, knowing certain rules, where, where, where is that lack of knowledge? How do they get away with it, basically? Well, the players don't know the rules. They just know the game. Uh, coaching staff will also know the game but don't know the rules until they're told this is the rule. They will not agree with it because it will affect their team um, in a um, winning situation. Uh, penalizing that team because of that rule, because of that situation. If you don't apply the rule because you don't know the rule, it's easy to get out of it unless the teams know 
that rule specifically and they say, well, sorry, you made a mistake. And for us as a, I say, junior hockey, you're not professional, but you should be responsible for your fitness, your rule knowledge, your game preparation. Uh, once you step on the ice, just like a hockey player is fitness-wise, his um, outtake on the game for his opponent that night and his fitness for that game. Yeah, and I'm just wondering, because, I mean, for listeners out there that, that maybe, you know, to get the image across, can you think of any specific examples where maybe in your personal experience where you've seen maybe a lack of rule knowledge burn somebody? Uh, there's many situations uh, that my teammates um, on other game situation has happened where um, it happens. For basically, I'll take for my games where my situation in the Royal Bank Cup semifinal, sorry, uh, round robin, I was uh, coming from Red Deer to Flin Flon to work the Royal Bank Cup in uh, Flin Flon in 2000. And let me just verify the uh, uh, 2001. And I applied a minor penalty to the Quebec team for not playing with the throat protector because the player fell. It fell from his uh, equipment onto the ice. But that was the only team playing with the throat protector. The other teams from uh, Saskatchewan, Manitoba, and BC didn't have any. So it was, I, I did apply the rule just that for junior hockey, it uh, shouldn't have been applied. So I made a mistake, and that cost me uh, an assignment. Uh, other situation, I'll just give you a pretty basic of uh, when I test my linesman on uh, a car drive up to. Pembroke or different sites where I ask them on a penalty situation, how many situations where the face-off location would change. Uh, a lot of linesmen don't know. And Brandon, I'll put on the spot. How many <clears throat> face-off location would, uh, do we have where it changes on a penalty situation for one minor, <clears throat> one minor penalty on the clock? Okay, I want to make sure I got this this question right. So... Yeah. I know you've asked me this before. We have Ottawa against Pembroke. Yeah. yeah, Ottawa against Pembroke. Ottawa gets a penalty. Yeah. Uh, where would be the face-off for uh, Ottawa getting a penalty? Where would the face-off be? So for junior, obviously, it comes back After to the... the stoppage of play. When... So what? So obviously, it would come the back to, zone. Correct. to the Ottawa zone. But you're saying what would happen to have it not be there? Yeah, what now... Is there any different location where the face-off <clears throat> wouldn't be in the Ottawa zone in a okay. junior A hockey game? Okay, so I guess if the clock would expire, so the end of the period would be one. Uh, yeah, that's if good. A, if a goal was scored, I guess, before, well, I guess, yeah, if a goal was scored. Uh, yeah, that's um, two. I guess, oh, geez, uh, if there was an icing... Uh, correct. Right. Three. Uh, um, there's five. You said. Oh, I didn't say how many there was. Oh, jeez. Uh, there was an icing. Um, that's three. Yeah. Okay. If th th the defenseman came in, no, that wouldn't matter, right? Right. Ooh. 
I'm blanking here. This is, this is the off-season, Reggie. Give me a hint so I don't look too dumb in front of the listeners. No, the the fourth one and the last one, Brandon, would be on the defenseman coming in at the stoppage of play. The yeah. face-off would take, be taken outside. Right. So those are the four situations okay. where it's basic, basic information for my teammates. And it's easy to say that uh, my teammates during the hockey season, a lot of them don't take the time to read their their job duties, their description. So on, on the ice, when we have a second or two to make your decision and put the face-off location, they're looking for their teammates for help. And that's where I say our staff, and that's an easy example of uh, rule knowledge for a responsible linesman to know his duties and what he needs to know for the rule knowledge. Um, yeah. Easy for uh, Brandon for to know the rules. It's easy. You take a look at the rule book and you uh, you quiz the, your teammates on something that makes it fun to know and challenge them. Yeah. And to know how many sections there is in the rule book. Uh, and then uh, to go through the story of how many sections there is and what section one, two, three, and so on. Yeah. And I know I see you giggle right now because <laughs> I, I'm pretty sure you're remembering the, the, the drives that I challenged you and the teammates in the car. Yep. I don't know if we've ever been on a road trip together, Reggie, but I know that you've asked me that at least two or three times in a room. And so for those listening out there, so like I said, Reggie is kind of infamous in the league for making sure that you know your rules. And if you ever get caught without your rule book being on a game with him, you're basically in trouble. So I think there was once that you kind of, you kind of, you were not, you were not too happy that I forgot my rule book, but I mean, yeah, simple stuff like that. Like, you don't even really think of, like, how many sections are in the rule book. I mean, off the top of my head, I couldn't really think of that. I don't know. Was it eight or ten or something? But it's just, yeah, like, these little things. Like, And I think it's easy to get away with because as referees, you have three other partners, especially if you're working a four-man system, to, to kind of bail you out maybe. And plus, like, so many of those rules in the rule book you might see, like, twice in your career. So you're thinking, well, geez, I can probably get away with right. it, right? So. That makes sense to me, and uh, yeah, no, I, I think <laughs> uh, as dumb as it sounds, I mean, as referees, that's kind of our job to know the rule book. But I would agree with you that it's it's almost scary how many don't know the rule book. So exactly, and and the thing is, we're brought up uh, to take it for granted that uh, a situation will happen, and it's not going to happen to me in my hockey game. And if it does, hopefully my partner will know what to do, but look at life and would you put somebody in a situation where they're embarrassed? Um, I think that's not our goal in life is to put other people in moments where they're embarrassed. And as an official, when you have from 200 to a thousand to 10,000 people looking at you and um, you're there to make a, a decision and that's your job and you don't make the right one because of your lack of knowledge of the rules, that's an embarrassing moment for yourself and for your teammates. Because if you make the wrong decision because of the lack of knowledge of the rules, you're embarrassing your team. So you all look like um, people that are working in a job that don't know what to do. And my my job, and I've learned that through the years to my getting 
uh, supervise and older official teaching me is you have a responsibility to the game as an official to know the rules. Now, if you want to apply them or you want to modify the rule, that's your choice. But if you don't know the rule, right there, you don't have the opportunity to use the gray zone to apply it or not apply it and so on. And that's where I think our staff as officials um, would benefit of knowing the rules because if you know the rules, you can use the gray zone. If you don't know it, then you get yourself in trouble. And that's one thing I would never want my team on the ice to lack of knowledge and not knowing the rule. Yeah. And I think it's pretty interesting too, because I find like, I mean, well, you would know that when you're confident on the ice as a referee, it, it really changes your game. And I think having that in the back of your head that, you know, the rule book and you're, there's no doubt in your head. I think that kind of gives you that extra boost of confidence. Whereas if you have that doubt about certain rules, you're thinking about that on the ice and you can't really focus on the task at hand, I suppose. So, um, I don't know if you have kind exactly. of a sim. Yeah. Exactly. yeah, well said. And just like when you go up to the captain or even the coaching staff and you say, uh, sorry, coach, uh, this is the rule, rule 7.2. Um, this will receive a major penalty in a game misconduct due to the this Hockey Canada rule. And most of the guys will say, well, how come the NHL, while the NHL rule book is different, this is what you would apply in the NHL, but since we're working with the Hockey Canada rule book, uh, this is the rule that's going to be applied. And by doing that with the coaching staff and the captain, showing your rule knowledge and your confidence, uh, the respect is there from them to you uh, by knowing your job and having the answer to their question on on the rule knowledge. Yeah. No, I think uh, <laughs> I think it's it's certainly important, and it's not something that we emphasize enough, especially to our our, our new referees, I guess. So, no, I, I think that's great, and I wanted to transition a little bit because I think it's pretty neat that you've had experience working pretty much every level of the game, and you know the rule book so well. I'm wondering if, and you were kind of touching on it a little bit, kind of the difference between, you know, players asking about the NHL rule book versus a Hockey Canada rule book versus, you know, the supplements that some junior leagues might use. So I'm curious if you could maybe uh, touch on your experience between, you know, different sorts of rule books and, you know, understanding the difference between, say, the NHL or junior hockey. I mean, you know, is there different things that you've learned? Is there is there certain I don't know lessons learned that you can you can take away from that? Yeah, um, different situation like hockey Canada, um, junior hockey A, B, and C will have the hockey Canada rule book, but there is supplement for that league for the CCHL. Uh, if you go to the Maritimes, the Maritimes will have their. Um, Hockey Canada rulebook for junior hockey plus their own rules that they wish to take from the NHL and implement in their league. Same thing for Saskatchewan. I worked there for seven years. Um, Saskatchewan had the Hockey Canada rulebook with some uh, NHL rulebook enticed in there, just like we're doing in Ottawa right now. Uh, IHF, um, I know I haven't worked IHF assignment in a long time, but we do have a Russian team here uh, today and Monday 
that are the Batum AAA age group. And for them, IHF, they're using IHF icing just like the NHL. If the forward beats the defenseman on icing, it's not applied. For Hockey Canada, it doesn't matter. So I had that situation on Monday. They were icing, asking how come the icing is... I beat the, the forward, the defenseman. I said, that's IHF rulebook. Hockey Canada, it's icing. Um, another situation, they asked for um, the ice uh, offside, if I recall. And again, I had to tell them Hockey Canada, uh, it's different. Uh, sorry, it was on the minor penalties, five on five uh, for Hockey Canada. IHF, it goes to four on four. So again, uh, different rules yeah. uh, for the rule book. Yeah, and if I could just uh, jump in there, like, because I went to a double IHF U17 this year, and that was a whole different rule book, like you're saying. And when you talk about the offside, and one of the thing that you might be uh, asking about, because I, I remember there was one rule where if, if there's a delayed offside and the puck is shot and it hits the goalie, or there's a shot attempt on net, the faceoff will come all the way down. Which is not obviously what it is in Hockey Canada. It, might it be, was. I don't know if that's what you were you were referencing there. Yeah. No, but that situation it was like that in the past. Hockey Canada has went gone back and forth, and now it's back to if you shoot on net, goalie makes the save, you let the players come out. IHF, it's now intentional offside, so it goes all the way down. Yeah. So we had that rule. And that shows how many gray hair I have. The rule has bounced uh, here and there and um, um, with IHF in and out. Um, high stick, Hockey Canada, you can't hit the puck above the shoulders uh, to score a goal. NHL and IHF, it's the crossbar. If you can hit it um, below your shoulders, but if it's higher than the crossbar, it's no goal. Compared to Hockey Canada, you can hit the puck above the crossbar, but below the shoulder, and the goal counts. Yeah. So it's a different, a different, a different rule. Yeah. So again, players and coaches will say, "Hey, it's above the crossbar." Yeah, NHL, I agree. Hockey Canada, not the same rule. Yeah. And so, uh, lucky for me, I uh, knew the rule book for the NHL. I knew the rule book for the IHF, and I now I the only rule book I know is the uh, Hockey Canada because that's the level of hockey that I work now. No, I think it's uh, I don't know it's, it's pretty cool and like I think it's tough especially if you're a young referee and you're watching the NHL hockey you're you're watching the World Championships and I think that's where I think a lot of these young kids are learning the rule book basically is watching like you're saying the high sticks a great example because when you're watching on TV you see all the time these reviews for the high stick over the shoulders and. I think you can pick that up. And then, I mean, I can remember in my clinic, that was never a rule that was talked about. So I think automatically you just assume that's kind of how it works, right? Correct. And I'll give you another situation here, and I'll put you to the test uh, on the podcast. I'm going to look like If a I, as dummy. a player, <laughs> I, as a player, shoot the puck, and in my shooting action, I hit you in the face. <laughs> Okay, so you and shoot the puck to... and you hit on your follow through on your shot yeah. or your pass or whatever you you hit somebody in the face. In the face, yeah. God, I, I, I've I, you've asked me this before, and I'm sure the listeners out there, there's a bunch of you that are screaming the answer right now. But 
I would say that, especially, I guess maybe for Hockey Canada at least, that it would be a penalty. Is that Hockey correct? Canada, it would be. Yeah. Hockey yeah. Canada, yes. Is that the same in the NHL or no? Pro hockey, you're in the action of, of shooting or making a pass. It's not a penalty because it's part of the game where you're shooting or making a pass. You're not intentionally... Um, and the intention of hitting the opponent in the face. So it's different in pro hockey. So it's not a penalty. But, I mean, is that, is that, especially in Hockey Canada, is that a rule you can exercise any judgment on? If Because, I mean, I can just picture a situation where the guy doesn't really have a high follow-through. Maybe, maybe a guy is going down to block a shot or something or jump in the way and you clip him in the face. I mean, do you have any – and you were talking about this earlier, how there's a gray zone a little bit. I mean, is that something you could have a little bit of judgment with? I'll give you a situation after that happened to me this winter. Um, in minor hockey, let's say junior hockey that we work with, he's, you're wearing a half visor. I shoot the puck. I hit you in the face area by my shooting action. You lose the teeth. Where are you going to go? First off, when you, you look at your, your mouth and you're bleeding, you're going to go see the referee. Referee, I got hit in the face. Mm-hmm. I'm bleeding. Isn't that a penalty? While he was shooting the puck. Yeah, he was. But Hockey Canada, that's a penalty because he hit me with his stick. Hockey Canada doesn't have that situation in the rule book mm-hmm. of the action. It has two situations. Any player that hits the puck, it hits an opponent accidentally or intentionally, will receive a minor penalty, a double minor if he's injured, or a major in a game misconduct if it's intentionally. And a description in another situation in the rule book for high stick is a player has to have control of his stick at all times for Hockey Canada. So based on those two situations, I'll give you a live situation that happened to me. Ottawa is visiting Pembroke in round one. Um, Pembroke player trips the Ottawa player, falls on his back, while falling, the Ottawa player hits the Pembroke player in the face with his stick. SRD. So that would so just so for the listeners know, just so I can reiterate, so you have a situation in a game where a player gets tripped, and as he's getting tripped, Correct. his stick comes up and hits another player or the, the same player. So yeah, tricks so Dave hits what's the, the player that tripped him. Yeah. See, that's the thing. So, I mean, I would assume by the rule book that it has to be a penalty because, like you're saying, you have to have control of your stick. But, I mean, at the same time, I mean, that's, that's, that's a good one because, uh, I mean, you're not – I mean, the action was caused, I guess, a little bit by the trip, was it not? So what's, what's what was the correct decision? What was the decision that you made on the ice? I made what my the rule book says. A player has to have control of his stick at all times. Um and accidental or not, um, it wasn't intentional, but it was accidental. Mm-hmm. It was caused by the trip, but I did apply what the rules gave me by Hockey Canada. I had minor penalty for tripping and minor penalty for high stick. Now, there was discussion, well, yeah, but it was caused by the action of the other player. Mm-hmm. Okay? What is that in the rule book? No, but you got to use common sense. Okay, yeah. how about if I shoot the puck and I hit you in the face? This discussion was, well, 
that's the NHL. It's in the rule book. We don't have that. Well, wait a second. It's accidental. It's part of the game. His intention wasn't uh, to hit him in the face. He was shooting the puck. So then the discussion says, well, maybe we should have it in the rule book. So the common sense of I apply it, you don't apply it, I apply it, and you have different uh, experience on the ice where you have a first-year official and a 20-year official, and what guidelines do you give them? Make your own rules or use your own common sense or just put it in the black and white where if a player is fouled and his stick accidentally hits the opponent, assess the penalty or do not assess the penalty due to the infraction of the uh, causing the foul. And that you put it on the rule book, so then the referee has black and white there because if you, I don't apply it, the next player, he loses his eye, and the referee applies it mm-hmm. to the same team, they'll say, how come we didn't get a penalty, now we're getting a major in game because the guy's injured, he lost his eye, it was accidental. So that was that created this discussion towards my supervisor and Hockey Canada to come up with a solution on that direct situation because uh, what for you as a younger officials what have you done in this situation, Brandon? Yeah, I mean that's I don't know if I've ever encountered that, but I mean uh, I mean two things. So first thing, I think it's pretty cool because I think. Like you're saying, the, the rule book's kind of evolving constantly because there's these situations that'll happen where there's not a really a clear answer, or it maybe yeah. you know common sense wise, it might it might be tough to to look at. Um, but number two, like I, when you think of, when I think of situations like that, maybe the closest I could think of is like a situation where it comes to goaltender interference, maybe. So I can think of a situation where similar, like you have a defensive player maybe that gives a push to a, to a player to like an offensive player Correct. and that, that offensive player will hits the goalie and maybe yep. it wasn't intentional, but it was caused by the defensive player pushing and right. if you're using the same sort of logic. I think it gets tough because you're saying, you know, it, it, it gets tough, I guess, because do you call that offending player for goalie interference, even though it wasn't, let's say deliberate. I mean, it's, 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 you know, I think there, like you're saying, there's a lot of gray area, to look at. So that's, that's the closest I could think of for a situation like that. But, um. and perfect example, because I'll give you the hockey Canada situation in the rule book where a defending player fouls a, an attacking player goes into the goalie without making any attempt of getting out of the way. The defending player will be assessed a minor penalty and the attacking player will be assessed a minor player Minor penalty for goalie interference. Right. So, the defenseman pushes him into the net, and the attacking player does not make an attempt to get out of the way. Hockey Canada rule says minor penalty to both players, and that is a great discussion. Yeah. So that's in there. So that's in there for the official to look at and say, well, he made an attempt to get out of the way. That's why he's not getting a penalty. He did not make an attempt to get out of the way, so that's why he's getting a penalty. Yeah. So there's something in the rule book to cover our team for rule knowledge. Yeah. For that. No, I think this is a, a great discussion. Like, 
I mean, certainly, uh, in all the games that we've worked together, there's always rule questions that come up and you can, I mean, you could talk about this stuff all day, I'm sure if you, if you wanted to. And, you, yep. you, you know, like it's, it's like you say, it's, it's something that we need to work on as a staff and, you know, as referees in general, you could always be better. You could always know the rule book. You could always even go further and I guess know the, the purpose behind why the rule was written and, you know, get, get really into, I guess, the, the nitty gritty of it. But I wanted to switch up a little bit because, um, I know that you're, you're a guy that's involved in a lot of spring officiating as well. And, uh, I wanted to get your thoughts maybe on the difference between, you know, refereeing, uh, during, I guess, the, the regular season in the winter versus, you know, jumping into the spring and maybe what your experience is between the, the hockey there and, uh, I guess, officiating. Um, well, for, for myself, I uh, did a few games this past weekend. And the weekend before uh, for spring hockey, um, uh, we had a tournament, uh, two tournaments here at the Hockey Academy. So I brought on the staff from junior hockey to officiate the uh, Adam and Pee Wee level. Um, so the tournament, the players would have the opportunity to have that experience on the ice while they're playing. Um, I've heard where... Well, spring hockey, you do not have to be an official. It can be a parent and step on the ice and officiate. There is no insurance. There's no levels. There's no rule knowledge, the exam or so on. Mm-hmm. They just need somebody to officiate the game. Um, for myself, um, there's a lot of pressure on the younger players from the families watching the, uh, the hockey uh, I experience in junior hockey, but it's uh, totally different when it's a young adult from uh, 17 to 20 to compared to when it's a 10-year-old, 11 or 12-year-old, and mom and dad, grandpa, and so on. So, again, there is no procedure um, for spring hockey. It can be two officials, one official, three uh, it's all depending on the tournament assigner and how he wants to organize his tournament. Um, just for myself, I had a situation this weekend where uh, it was the final. It was the Adam second year. Uh, I think they're around, uh, let me just verify, 10-year-old kids. And the puck went in and it came right out. I... Didn't assess the goal. I stopped play, waved it off. I talked to my partner. Um, we both realized the way the puck went in, came out. Uh, we're 100% sure it wasn't a goal. Um, during that game, one of the parents was filming the game. So I knew the parents. So I asked them, please, uh, I want to see the video. He showed me the video at the end of the game, and I did make a mistake. The puck did go in. I, I took it upon myself to go into the dressing room of the players and personally apologize for them that I made a mistake. It wasn't intentional. I had to make a decision. Um, and to show the young hockey players that officials are human, we're not there to make mistakes. We're not there to take sides. Uh, we're there to make it fair for both teams. And I apologize to the kids. Uh, they did lose the hockey game. Um, so... Again, even if I officiate Adam uh, hockey or junior hockey, I'm there to do my job at 110% and as perfect as I can. 
And again, I realized that even at, at that Adam hockey, I can make mistakes and I owned up to it to the kids. Yeah. And it's cool because like I do spring hockey here as well. And uh, it's, it's, it's cool because I think you see a lot of junior referees that, I mean, wouldn't get to otherwise do a lot of these younger guys during the regular, regular season, being able to step on the ice with a lot of these young kids. And I find the hockey is a little bit better, but I think that's, that's a pretty cool lesson, even from that story that, you know, whether you're, you're a former pro referee doing little kids, I mean, you can never, there's never a time where you can't admit a mistake or, you know, I think I, I know a lot of guys that might be too proud to sort of, uh, admit something like that, especially if they're doing a kids game or something. So, I think that's a good lesson for, for listeners out there to take away maybe that whether you're doing professional, junior A, uh, CHL hockey, or just doing spring hockey, uh, you know, Adam Peewee level kids, that, you, you know, there's always a lesson of, of, you know, being humble and admitting your mistakes, I guess, right? Exactly. And it doesn't matter that uh, the years of experience that I have, I, I made a mistake. And if it's junior hockey, pro hockey, Adam hockey, uh, as a person, uh, you own up to it. And uh, hopefully the players and the teams will respect you for admitting your mistake and move on from there. Yeah. And um, before we run out of time here, Reggie, I wanted to make sure we get to um, talking about your officiating camps because... Um, I know this is something that you're starting up, and uh, I know a lot of listeners out there have probably considered doing uh, referee camps in the off season. And I'm wondering maybe if you could talk about uh, why you decided to start this referee camp, um, what you hope the kids will take away, um, and I guess uh, you know maybe just uh, given maybe a sales pitch here to, to listeners, especially in the Ottawa region, um, about why these camps are important. Well, for myself, as an official, I uh, attended referee schools here in Ottawa. Um, the last one was 2010. They celebrated their 25th anniversary at that time. The year before that was 2004, where they had it running for 24 years in a row uh, for an official referee camp. I attended as a student and attended as an instructor. I also had the opportunity to go to Montreal to Ron Fournier Referee School. I also attended the uh, OHA school in Toronto um, for the referee camp school. Also went out to the Western Hockey League as a student. Uh, for me, I put in the time and effort to learn. And the last one that we had here in the Ottawa area was 2010. And I find as an official that we lack of passing on our knowledge to the younger officials. Uh, they don't have the opportunity to uh, brush elbows with and talk about hockey and where do I need to, to go, where do I need to do, what What can you tell me that I can get, be better as an official? And having the referee school is a three-day a family gathering of officials and having the same goal is to be a better official and do the best job possible. And for me, I working at the academy here at the uh, um, CIH is the opportunity to offer that to the young officials in the Ottawa area or out there or where they would like to attend and have a great weekend. Um, learn from uh, my colleagues that have 
tons of experience to pass on, uh, stories of on and off the ice of uh, situations that are funny, um, hilarious, and others that are embarrassing, <laughs> and to make sure you don't do it again. Um, we learn from our mistakes, and we also learn from our colleagues' mistakes. Yeah. To have on-ice instructors to show you the right way, uh, to have classroom sessions where you practice uh, procedures and go over uh, rule knowledge and situations, all rolled into a weekend where you you have fun doing it and you're not stressed, you're not yelled at. It's a coaching environment where we're there to uh, pass on our knowledge to younger officials so I can retire and uh, move on and hopefully uh, that the officiating department uh, learns from it. No, I think that's a great takeaway. And I know I, I, I've done camps as a kid and it's, it's great, especially if you're starting out because, you know, if you're doing novice, Adam, Peewee hockey, you might not get exposure to some of the higher level referees that have seen it all. You know, you might not get supervised by, by um, like you're saying, like former pro staff or former pro uh, or uh, WHL staff. So I think this is a great opportunity for young officials, especially if you're in the Ottawa area. Um, make sure to check out Reggie's camp. It's, 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 you know, great staff, great location. It's, it's bound to be a great time. So, uh, I'm a big, big fan of yours, Reggie, and let's hope we can, uh, uh, you know, I guess, uh, get some, some, uh, great kids to your camp here. Um, and we'll make sure as well, I guess, here. So for those listening that we put out the links to, uh, Reggie's camp so you can check out more information. But Reggie, I want to just thank you for taking your time out of your busy day to, uh, speak with us and our listeners. And I wonder if you might just have some parting advice for those listening out there. Um, the passion that you have as a hockey player, hopefully you take that passion and you bring it as an official and you, uh, you will have highs and lows just like a hockey player as an official. Uh, you will uh, learn from your mistake. Um, the friendship that you built, uh, instead of having 15 teammates, you only have two. Uh, you might only have one as you start off because you're in a two-man system, but the adventure that officiating brings and the passion for hockey is always there. And always the, the $10 that you get in your pocket at the end of the night that you can go and buy yourself some stuff, drinks, chips, whatever. That's why we do it for the older P, uh, officials. Well, it might be other cold drinks. <laughs> and that's camaraderie that we do. Uh, the game for it's a passion and the love as a good Canadian kid. So, thank you for having me, uh, Brandon. It was uh, great talking to all the listeners, and hopefully, I brought on some knowledge and uh, I keep some guys into the game or bring some new officials and maybe see you guys in August at our referee camp here at the academy. It's going to be a great weekend, and uh, thank you again for having me. Reggie, thanks a lot, and I think that's mission accomplished for uh, for some great information. So thanks again, and have yourself a great day. Thanks, Brandon. 